0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Hyrule Radio, episode number 19. My name is Nick Gangley, De Asquale, and I'm going to be your host for the evening. I am joined by my constant co-host, Mr. Sullivan, Spicy Appies himself. Appies, how you doing?
1: Good, good. I'm just, I have like TFT rock brain right now, which I'm sure Malala can, uh, fun time we have Malala on the show. Sorry, I, I totally jumped the gun there, but we have Malala on the show for anyone who's listening and can't see his the beautiful face um which i'm sure he also has rot tft rot brains i think everyone has some some rot brain this patch because it is a hard patch and people are playing 10 trillion hours and it's been it's been fun it's been a bit of a schlep though
0: yeah well let's give a let's give a proper introduction to our guest. then with us yes. today it's not just appies and i we also have the winner of the vegas open the coolest tft event to ever happen and the coolest winner <laughs> we've ever had it's mr clutch Malala himself,
2: Malala. Welcome to the show. How you doing? Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, I'm doing good. Yeah, kind of the same thing with Appy's. I've just been like streaming TFT and like averaging like a straight like six on my stream, (laughs) or like like streaming like six hours every day, just losing like 200 LP on stream. (laughs) I feel that. (laughs) That's just the way it is, unfortunately. Yeah,
0: this is a a hard patch for sure. We'll we'll talk more about that later, but I feel like, uh, well, actually, you know, let me explain how the show works in case anyone's watching for the first time. This is a live TFT call-in show, which means that you, the viewer, are just as much a part of the show as we are. If you want to get on the show, we have the lines open. The phones are ready to be ringing. All you have to do is use exclamation point Hyrule in the Discord Or, excuse me, in the chat, that will give you a Discord link My that'll be my Discord. On the left-hand side, you will see the Submit Takes channel. All you have to do, if you have something you want to say, it does not need to be like a super hot take or something controversial. It could be a question that you have for Appy's, Malala, or myself. It could be a statement, like, the Vegas event was amazing and we really need to do more of those. Or it was not as good as everyone was hyping it up to be. Um, Don't say that. Don't say that. I mean, you can actually. You can say it wrong. You, you can be. All right. We'll so, shit on. put your so your take or your question discussion point in the submit takes channel, and then immediately go into the waiting room on the left hand side and mute yourself. Do not deafen. Mute yourself so that we can bring you on the show when we're ready, and then uh, you'll unmute and then you know, hang out with us there. That's pretty much the whole spiel. We typically in the last few episodes have been trying to align people's takes with the main things that we are talking about throughout the the episode. Primarily in this one, I imagine we're going to talk a lot about Malala, his career, the Vegas Open, winning that, and then playing on 13.25, the new patch that was released post- Vegas. So, if you have anything to say about the state of TFT currently, about the new set uh, at large, about the Vegas event, or things that you want to talk to Malala about, go ahead and start with those, and if you have other stuff, feel free to throw it in there, just can't guarantee that we'll get you all in. So, that's, that's the spiel, that's pretty much everything. So, now, we can talk a little bit more about Malala, open up the floor, because I feel like this is the, the appropriate place to, to, to start. So, Malala, Vegas Open winner. If people are new to TFT, they know you as Captain Clutch, the man who never loses, has won the only (laughs) TFT LAN event ever in the world. Um, Why don't you kind of take a step back and give us a little bit of context around your story in TFT and kind of how you got to where you are right now.
2: Yeah, sure. Um, So I started playing TFT, like I started playing the first set like PBE. Uh, I think it was like when I graduated college in like 2019, but I never really got into it too much. I played, like, a couple games every set, Uh, like, set one, I I was, like, plat, and then set two, I was, like, diamond, and then I hit Challenger for the first time in set four, Um, but I never really played competitively, I didn't even know that there were any tournaments um, until set six, Um, and my first tournament was, (coughs) sorry, my first tournament was, I think, uh, Zon Cup, and I remember, like, at the time, I just felt like, like, I'm just gonna play for fun, and I was, like, oh my god, like, my lobby's, like, super stacked, I had RamCav and I had GV8 in my first lobby. I'm like, it's it's dude. <laughs> and then um, like, I was about to get eliminated even in the first round, but then I hit um, TK2, which was like the legendary one that like ate the champions and you would get <laughs> items. I hit TK2 on 3-5. I- <laughs> oh my goodness, what? <laughs> and I just straight teleported to first place. Uh, and then I made it out to the next day where I got like eliminated. And then the next tournament after that was Innovation Cup where I made a uh, final lobby and uh, Appy's was also in that final lobby, which was like... The fun one. Yeah, that was a fun Yumi, one. Me, Kevin, that was, it was yeah. a cool lobby. Yeah, it's like, I remember like thinking in that tournament, there were like four like like titans and like four underdogs. It was like uh, Appy's, Goobum's, I think Aniko and like punup like the four really strong players uh, in that final lobby. And like me me and Kevchan were like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> we're like trolling, I don't know. But yeah, I feel like I came up with like a lot of the boys in like set six. Uh, it was like d uh captain those guys ripple and yeah and then i had like a pretty good run going into set seven that's when like frodan first ranked me uh, above soju and <laughs> I, had, I had a few consecutive final lobby runs but um towards the end of set 7.5 i like i had like pretty bad performances and i got like day one at regionals um so i didn't have too great of a set and then going into set eight i was like kind of good kind of not good I finally lobbied in Shurima Cup, but then I had, like, the very infamous uh, regionals choke. Um, where I was, like, day like day one and day two of set eight regionals, I was, like, I think top two or top three both days. And then I was, like, pretty much guaranteed to go to Worlds on average placement. And then I scored, like, 15 points below sets go to miss on, <laughs> on, the, on the final day. So, yeah. <laughs> and looking at set nine, I did okay in set nine. Uh, I had, like, a pretty bad 9.5. I think... Um, yeah, 9.5 I that day when I knocked this, which was kind of unfortunate because, the, I, like, I, like, I don't want to like blame anything, but if I didn't fly out for TC4. Oh, <laughs> there's no! <laughs> there's no way, I guarantee, there's no way I missed the ladder, Saffron. Cause I was No, like, me was, too, <laughs> for sure. No, <laughs> so, cause I was legit in Philips, like 50 square foot apartment, playing on my MacBook on like 300 feet, like, like climbing for my life. And I was so tilted. Philip was like just over my shoulder, like, bro, I think you should take a break. I'm like, dude, shut up. I <laughs> <laughs> and then, the, and then I missed by like by like 30 LP, and then I got day one and lots of Nazi stuff, and then I missed regionals. And then I, and then I had to play LCQ, but like my form was so bad that like I just got day one. And, yeah, that's that <laughs> That is curse. <laughs> but that is, it is actually curse for
0: everyone. <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't realize how deep the curse of TC4 ran. This is this is good lore for us to have, and also. Uh, very good reason for us to never, ever go back to that venue. So, uh, yeah, sorry about that. My bad, dude. Um, all right. So let's I, I want to I, I know we we have a lot to talk about with Vegas. I, I only want to dig a little bit more into your history because the whole the whole um, kind of stick about Malala choking in final days is something that kind of came up like you're saying set eight, set nine. Um, and so. Going into that final day of Vegas where you did win, you know, on the broadcast, we all kind of have to have very concise things to bring up about people. And so the thing that came up about you was this guy makes final lobbies. He's been here before and he has never been able to close it out. I am curious to know about pressure. In general um, if you feel like that does actually affect you or if you feel like in past performances it has been more of variance affecting your your final placements
2: yeah so i actually made final lobby a few times uh like the first three times i made final lobby it was like in the like set six points seven. and at the time i'm pretty sure i was just like bad it wasn't like really a choke like 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 everyone was just outplaying me i think at that time but uh in that final lobby in vegas uh, like if, like in the first game when I played MF, I don't know if like people know, but like I thought I was like, like not that I was I wasn't that nervous, and I thought my MS spot was like really good, and I went six, and I was just thinking to myself like, yeah, I'm gonna lose, and then, like, <laughs> like I was like like my spot was so insane, and I just went six with like MF three on four one. I was like, yeah, like I don't think I'm gonna win, and then as each game went on, i had, like I have like I had like no nerves because I didn't have like the expectation that I was gonna win. And like I slowly, slowly made it to check. I was like, like holy shit. Or like 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 oh my god, like I'm actually like there's actually a chance that I can win. And then that last game when I decided to like play any, I was also once again thinking like we need to go to another game for me to win. But then I somehow won that last game. So
0: yeah. Uh Sully, I know we were in the crowd when Malala won, right? We're, well, yes. we well we were together when when he was kind of in that early mid game when he chose to play around the Annie, and I know you were a huge fan of that last yes. game. Do you want to talk about about your perception of of that final game in Vegas, real quick?
1: Yeah, I, I think like the way you just the way you played that last game was fucking amazing. By the way, like the, the item economy, like finding your way into Rageblade Nashers, was just super awesome, and like just knowing that wasn't out. But so I, the funny story about us watching, so it was like we're in the front, right I, on the grounds, surrounded by a ton of people. There's too many, like all the seats are filled, so the whole you know, the whole room is just packed. So I'm, like, sitting on the floor next to, like, Nick and Ram Kev and, like, a bunch of lab members. And at the end of the game, when... Uh, so you, like, barely clutch out a fight, that last fight versus Humbug, right? And all the lab members are like, oh, shit, no. And I'm just like, let's fucking go! Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was just such a well-played game. It was, it was like, just beautiful TFT. Although, I, I have to ask, I know you've talked about it a little bit, but, like, what? Like, you're, you're in check. Yeah, there's $100,000 on the line. <laughs> you take learning to spell any.
2: just <laughs> um, so, Clear, <laughs> like, Clear actually gave me, like, some advice before the game that he stole from a re-replay. So, basically, Clear, at, like, choked in DSG because of the format, because of Checkmate. And the one thing that Skanda or, like, re-replay told him was that just play normally, like, don't play like you're in check. Just play normally, and then if like people will like grief themselves by trying to play, uh, play for first. Yeah. So if you just play normally, you play your game. If it, like if it happens, it happens. Just let it. Just let like let it come to you. So it's like I was just like thinking to myself like, like I would just play any from the spot. That's what I would like do on ladder. That's what I do for my highest placement, and that's what I do.
1: Gotcha. I, uh, I have another question for you if you don't mind too, which is sure. so <laughs> there was that that like very now infamous moment, and in, and the gamer broccoli was in check. He was about to win, and then Kevin Parker, like, you know, one shot of the Yone was on one eight one life, and then one out. What is the reaction as a player, like, on the stage, like, in that lobby? Like, did you freak out, or you did you think it was going to be over that game?
2: Yeah, like, I saw Broccoli spot on four two, and I thought the tournament was over. Like, he was Caitlyn two, Akali two, True Damage spot. But I think like the end of the tournament actually just came down to like nerves. Like, I think everyone was like so so nervous. I think I actually had like a little bit of an edge in terms of like experience. That's like, probably mm-hmm. like, maybe, maybe doubles had like, probably has more experience than me, but I think I actually had like a little bit of an edge, but like at the end of the mm-hmm. broccoli game, I felt like, uh, I felt bad for broccoli, but at the same time, it's like, cause like you want NA to win, but at the same yeah. time, I kind of want to win, I kind of want to win myself, <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, it's like, kind of like that feeling.
0: Yeah. Broccoli put on a performance of a lifetime that entire weekend. And w- yep. I want to circle back to the uh, Vegas Open. I, I didn't mean to go too far into the event itself, because first I did want to just cover a little bit of news, things going on in the scene. Like we said, Malala did win the Vegas Open. That's the first thing we want to talk about. The second, though, is that the competitive format for North America for set 10 has been announced. So two, twofold. Number one. Wisdom is no longer the production arm of Teamfight Tactics in North America. They've been replaced Seven. with G- GG Tech, who have been running the competitive scene for TFT over an EU. So, I'm not exactly sure if that means that there's no physical location, if there's no studio that will be used for Set 10. I imagine everything's just going to be remote. I know Wisdom wasn't even really using their space all that, all that much. But they also have announced the actual tournament structure, which is that there are a total of three tournaments this set the kda cup in january the heart cup in february and then the regional finals is it the is at the end of february so it is like a six week competitive season before before worlds obviously this is shortest we've ever we've ever ever had it part of that is Vegas Open, a part of that is Riot closing for the holidays, I'm sure, but also it's the fact that we have just like these four-month patch cycles because it is three sets a month, or three, three sets a year. Um, <laughs> I'm curious to get everyone's kind of first reactions to the new format, because I know in addition to that, there also is a total of six ladder snapshots going to regionals, which I believe is different, right? It's normally four? Yeah, yeah and there's no LCQ, yeah. I think that's what you're no LCQ. Out so it's so does that mean it's just top four from each cup and then, and then qualifier lighter, points right? yeah 10 oh, qualifier yeah, right. points six snapshot okay yeah that makes sense you get 24 total okay yeah let's get some first reactions from everyone Solo, you want to start
1: yeah i um i uh, i'm kind of go go goes so i haven't given it too much thought i mean i, I think it's um it's definitely an interesting dynamic right because i wonder if this will be like this in the next few sets too or if it's just because obviously it was announced late and there was that switch over from um from wisdom because it is pretty late into the set I, to to start um looking so the set ends in february too right like the end of february or, or beginning of march
0: uh, So I, it can't end in february if there's going to be a remix rumble championship oh yeah okay so end of
1: march i guess yeah, yeah. or at least sometime in march so it's, it's like pretty you know it's like a full month in or like, like a full month and a bit into the set which is like a little abnormal for sure snapshots uh, are sure like a month then i guess which is yeah i think is better for what it's worth like i think the beginning of sets oh, yeah. have been so hectic for so long as it's like box box boot camp mixed with like snapshots mixed with and you just like it, it just it's it's kind of fucked how insane how many games you have to play at the very start of a set so this people like ramp up a bit which i think is healthier um but yeah i kind of like it I, I think that there's still the hype in the beginning of the set because of stuff like box box boot camp um and obviously just you know People like watching new sets at the beginning, and then I think it gives, it pumps some more life into like, the end of a set. Or like, you know, the middle of the end of a set, and that's where the competition starts, and that's where all players really start locking in. <coughs> Sweating out. Sorry, I have the soju cough too. <laughs> well, I was saying you had the soju cough from Vegas earlier.
0: Alright, Malala, let me hear any any immediate thoughts from you on the new format.
2: Uh, yeah, to me, the format seems just like, pretty much the same. It's just, you like, you take out LCQ and then you get two spots uh, to ladder. Um, I guess it's just like more pressure to actually make the top 32 uh, because it seems like the day three buy is going to be more valuable given that um, top four of each cup actually makes regionals. And then because like those guys will be the highest in QP, then the top 10, if pretty much if you're double day four, you're probably guaranteed regionals.
3: Mm.
0: Yep. Yeah, it, it is also interesting where, um, you know, in so many sets because we have the mid-set break there's this thing that ha- <clears throat> that happens where players will have a very strong vanilla set, like set 9.0, and then they'll fall off 9- 9.5, um, because they can't dedicate the same amount of time, because it doesn't click as quickly, and it's a really fast-moving set. Um, the interesting part about this is, even though it is faster, and there's less time, the fact that we're having two tournaments and then regional finals, It's not really any different than if we had two tournaments and then mid-set finale, right? Which, like, you're still sending someone from mid-set finale to Worlds. We're actually just sending a few more people to Worlds from that tournament instead. So, it's like, it does feel very different, but it doesn't... I don't know that it actually changes all that much. I think the most interesting part to me is the fact that there's two additional ladder snapshots. um, Because there are... There do tend to be some people who perform really well on ladder and then just, like, do not. Click in tournament. I don't have anyone off the top of my head that I can think of that would like maybe benefit from this. I, I, I actually the person who would come to mind, they had a very strong set nine relative to their typical tournament perform- performances, which I would say is Casper. Um, before set nine, Casper is the kind of person I would say ha- typically has very strong ladder standings, but then struggles to to convert in tournament. So I I imagine there are probably some other players in North America that are looking at these two additional ladder spots and then thinking they have a they have an easier chance getting in. So we'll have to see. I don't know. Well, uh, like like you all said, like it's not that different, but it's. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see how the the future sets play out. I feel like starting in set 11, we'll have a better idea of the new initiatives they want to bring into the game.
1: Yeah, no LCQs might be a little sad. I, I think watching LCQ is always kind of hype. It's like just the top two and it's like,
0: you know, it's just kind of cool. Um, It'll be okay, though. It'll be, also, it'll be a cool format. The LCQ players have traditionally done very well, right? Yeah. Trying to, the only ones that haven't, I think, are actually set six where New Battle and Soju both got Day 1 at Regionals, which is interesting because they're arguably like the two players to qualify from LCQ that I think people would put the most stock in, but after that... I don't think it was arguable, like, those two players, it's crazy, because that's like, the only time i think ever think of was like in TFT history were like the two, there
1: two favorites, and they both made it out in like a pretty commanding fashion, it was yeah. really cool, it was like a very cool tournament to watch, you'll, you'll miss that, I'll miss that,
0: yeah, but. that's true. Well we'll see. I I am expecting set 11 to start bringing some some jazz in the start switching things up no one, if you have jazz in this oh, alright <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. anyway that's enough of the competitive format let's go back to what I think everyone really wants to talk about which is the Vegas open I wanted to open up the floor here because there's a lot to talk about there is the format there's the personal experience there is the you know um, like the viewership of the event the outside looking in and I also want to open up the floor for people to talk about their runs, but the first thing I wanted to just talk about with the two of you is um, giving, giving a moment of time for us to kind of recount some of our favorite memories from the event. I don't know if you, either of you have something off the top of your head. If you don't, I can, I can figure something out, because I, I also don't have something off the top of my head, but I know there's something I want to talk about. Appy, do you have anything? Uh, I'll throw some Lala first. I got to think about it. I, you might
1: not have to. Think <laughs> about it. I mean, winning is obviously
2: yeah. a major one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, outside of winning, that's probably, I mean, winning was definitely my favorite moment of Vegas. But honestly, it's just like, I think like just being surrounded by everyone in TFT, like constantly at the event, like like you're sitting down, like playing your games, and then you get up and you just like see someone that you recognize and you just start talking to them. It's like, for me, that was pretty much like T Lies and like Casper and T the entire event. And then, Also just like seeing all the casters and stuff, like uh, I have to give like a super big shout out to Boopasaurus. I saw him at the pre-party and then we we had had a drink together and he was like telling me that he believed in me, that he thought I was going to win. And like I saw him every single day and every single day I was like, dude, I'm so nervous. And he's just like, don't worry, don't worry, dude, you got this, you're going to win. And I I feel like it actually like calmed me down a little bit. And even like, yeah, like, yeah, so shout out to Boopasaurus that's go. that's awesome yeah go, go boop boop
0: actually made the call out of a lifetime i think a lot of people probably would not have not that not that you are not considered one of the one of the elite but i actually just don't think people would have pegged you as like a favorite to win the event based on some of those final day performances of the past so go boop you did it all right Tilly, you got one
1: yeah well i was gonna say that i think um i can think of the vegas for a lot of people there probably is just that there like really wasn't a I think there was never a bad thing. Like the event itself, I maybe mean, it's stuff outside the event, but the event itself was amazing. Like there was no, you know, the, the biggest complaint is like oh, I could hear people yapping behind me with the headphones on, right? Like that's that's like not really a complaint. Um, like every every part of it was just really cool. Meeting all the people, being surrounded by people. So the thing is like we've all been at TC events, right? Unfortunately, in some cases. Yeah. <laughs> um, Malala, I'm so and- sorry. <laughs> <laughs> And, like, a 40-person, you know, 40, 50, 60-person event is really cool. Being surrounded by that many people who like TFT it feels, like, it felt very unique. Um, and I'm sure it still will, but uh, it, like, felt like something, you know, you know once in a once-in-a-lifetime kind of thing. And then you go to Vegas, and this is, again, not to diminish TC at all, but just to say that, like, land events scale, I mean, the, the scale is, was, was so different, right? Like, you're, you're not surrounded by, like, just a room full of people who like the same thing as you. You're surrounded by a convention hall, basically, of people who like the same thing as you. Every single person who walks by you, except for like the guy, you know, mopping the floor in the back, I talked to a guy in the bathroom mopping the floor. He had no idea what TFT was, um, but everyone, pretty much everyone, knows what TFT is. Everyone, you know, is excited for the tournament. Every, you know, everyone uses kind of like TFT language. Like, it was so cool, and it was just that that atmosphere kind of was in the entire event, right? Whether you're playing, whether you're watching, is everyone like just fucking loved every second of being there, uh, except for Mace, when he lost, because he probably didn't love that, but. Um, everything was pretty fucking cool it was awesome i i i don't know meeting people on meeting people that i've never met in person probably was the biggest thing for me if i was to name one thing like um i didn't have been talking to like wolf for a while and i finally got to meet him Um, a lot of people from chat right i i met pals first time i met no evelyn gf for the first time people were in my chat for for years at this point
0: um really cool really really fucking cool so there's there there's this thing that um this realization I came to, I remember we're, so Sully, you, me, Wolf, a few people are, are walking out of a hotel one night, we're just talking, and I made a comment saying, like, hey, you know, I think we, we sometimes lose perception of how many people we actually influence. Like, right now, you know, there's 90 people watching this show. And I think to a lot of people, it's like, oh, if I make a video and it gets 90 views, that feels like a failure, right? But for me, it was like going to Vegas, you kind of realize that these numbers that, that you see online of like millions and hundreds of thousands and all that is very warping compared to knowing 50 people who... Or 50 people who you may not know, but they know you, all of a sudden it's like you go to this event, and there's so many people that have seen your face, who have heard your voice, who have interacted with you online, who have shared opinions with you, and you go there on site, and it's like, I have so many friends that I didn't know that I had. (laughs) This is a really cool <laughs> thing, <laughs> and, and so, it's not
1: parasocial because it's in person.
0: No, it, it's, no, but here's the thing: it, it's different in TFT. I honestly, I honestly feel like it's different in TFT. In so many games, I feel like content creators and streamers are kind of like one level removed from the community. They're like kind of above in a in a way. In TFT, it, it like really doesn't feel that way, right? Like, I don't know that the casters feel like personalities, or that the players feel like untouchable professionals. Maybe that's because like we're all playing on the floor and it's a game of variants, I don't know, maybe, there's probably a million different reasons, but like, for me, going to Vegas, I just, I got to see all of these people that I did not realize I had relationships with, um, and I don't know, I felt like I walked away from a weekend of work with like a million more friends than I walked into the event with and that's that's like a really unique thing I will say on like a, a more selfish note like favorite moment for me like kind of the having the opportunity I, I had of being able to cast the Vegas open was unbelievable incredibly humbling to be alongside in, you know talented commentators professionals in the industry who are amazing at what they do and to just be there on the couch with them was a lot of fun, and I got so much support. People people knew how nervous I was going into the the weekend, and I had so many people come up to me to say, like, Hey, man, you're doing great. Really like what you did for that last game. Or, hey, I think you could do this. This would really help, blah, blah, blah. I got lots of advice, a lot of people pouring into me, so I appreciate everyone who, who fed... Um, <laughs> I was just gonna say I fed my ego for the weekend. <laughs> like, <laughs> who, who poured into me and uh, helped make that the the weekend as successful as possible? Because I, I had a lot. of fun. it. For sure. It yeah. was it was cool, and so I know that was very long. One... You're you're good. I mean, again, you, you deserve you. You fucking killed it. Like the, This was the first time actually
1: casting the game. That was it. it was it was very very good. Um, and you should be very proud of that. I was gonna say the the other thing that stood out to me was the side the side events to you. I mean. Malala, well, at uh, oh. was in the tournament the whole time, so you probably didn't get to play it too much, but uh, there's, there's one called the Mastermind, where you play in four computers at once, and uh, I, I played it with Ramkev, and we, we both cooked up some super stinky bars on, like, nice. two of our monitors, it was, it was very fun, and, and if you could just get eight monitors, like, at your house, or, like, four monitors, and, like, playing someone else, that's the way to play TFT, that shit was fucking
4: oh, okay. awesome. Wait, yeah, who that, won? That
1: is some uh, Kevin. So I went, I went one, three, seven, eight. He went two. So he won by one point. We almost one, tied. Yeah. I, I tried to one out on all four boards, and he tried to go fourth on all four
0: boards. And it, <laughs> <laughs> it, it was so bad. <laughs> yeah, that that effect looked crazy. I I did this like very stupid bit. On on broadcast, I don't know how I don't know how many <laughs> people saw it. Where I was, I was kind yeah. of channeling my my some some Billy on the Street energy and just like screaming at these two <laughs> players trying to do Mastermind. Um, but yeah, it was really cool to see the side events. Were there other side events besides Mastermind, or was it just that?
1: Yeah, there was four v four, and there was like playing with devs. <laughs> Actually, I, I did four v four with uh with like Zane, uh, Wolfie and Wolfie Hero, and uh, there was someone else there too. And it was really we had. We had uh, we had how many people? We had five people, I think. No, we had we had six people. So Wolf and I both used two computers, and we did like the, the two v two. It was really cool. It was it was very cool. Yeah, it was a cool mode for me. Wait, who did you play against? So it was Wolf and I versus Zane, Hero. I forget who the other people were. Um, there were two more. Oh, I see. I understand what you're saying. I, I sorry. I'm yeah. I, it was, it was like a four v two basically. It was. They just there's some really cool modes. And like the the thing is like the the staff was so cool with letting you kind of. You know, he wanted to mix it up a little bit. You know, like, Kevin and I were, like, running to and from the the Mastermind setup, looking at, like, the main broadcast and stuff, too. Like, you could, they were all very, very cool. Um, just an awesome event, again, all around. Like,
0: yeah. yeah. Now, one of the more controversial parts of the event was the format. So, for anyone who is uninitiated, um, I can give a quick rundown, which was on day one, you played in... <laughs> up to two different heats. In the first one, you would play th- three games, and the top four move on from your lobby of eight. If you move on, you play in another lobby where you play three games, top four move on. Now, the second day, it got a little crazy because you played four games in round one of day two, uh, and the top two move on, and then you do another 25% cut where you play another four games and the top two move on. This obviously led to a ridiculous amount of variance. We had players like St. Vicious who bought forward once the entire event with, I think, a sixth was his worst placement, if if I remember correctly, and he did not make it to, to day three. Um, there were a lot of players. I know, like, I, even looking at, like, the total standings, there are players who outplaced Zaza, who made Final Day in total points without a final day of games, if that makes sense. I don't know if that's correct. Like, that sounds really crazy to me, but he— Zaza is listed as 11th in total points, and then Michael, Lyris and Dota all have more points than them. I don't know if that's—if that's just incorrect, or if they had that many points, but then just, like, somehow did not make it. But the format obviously led to to a lot of um, I guess strange occurrences and some some unfortunate exits for for players. So let's I want to open up the floor to you guys and also I want to just say this is probably a good time if you have a take about the format of the event to put it in Discord. You can find it at exclamation point High Roll. Put in some takes if you want to come on the show
2: while we're talk, talking about format.
0: Uh, Malala, I want to open up the floor to you first. Do you want to give your give me your opinion on the format of the Vegas Open?
2: Yeah, I mean, honestly, the format kind of sucks. Um, but I guess that's just, like, what you have to do with that many people and, like, with that amount of time. Um, the day two cut is, like, really, really aggressive. Um, but, yeah, I feel like it's, I don't know what, like, an alternative solution would be, like, for them to play more games or, or like, like maybe, like, make it so that the top four keep making it out and you just do it another day. But I don't know. With what, with what the situation is, it sucks. But it seems like the, probably, like, the best they could do.
0: Yeah I, yeah, I heard some people saying that they would have rather done like an additional wave on day two. I don't know if you had any thoughts on that, Sully. Uh, yeah, I um, I feel like if you're gonna, I feel like there could be like additional wave on day
1: one even, and just like you start. So, you know, it started pretty late in the day. Um, I felt like there was a, not that There wasn't a good. There wasn't a good thing. That there was a lot of downtime because generally it, it felt fine. Like walk around the venue and like check things out before the game started and have a break. But it almost felt like there wanted to be like one more half cut somewhere, so that you could do like two half cuts day two. I think I think that would work out. Um, so it said so like the, the two twenty five percent cuts in four games apiece were like pretty brutal. Uh, like very if you went eighth you felt like total, like the dooms just set in immediately on day two, which is not the best feeling in the world uh to be playing like, like you know because you you know um not that you should do this in a tournament anyways but like you can, you can kind of check out often if you go eighth in a tournament you're like I'm oh, maybe i'll just check out for a bit uh not that i do that either. but uh <laughs> but it, it's like you kind of want to be locked in still and it, it can get a little yeah i don't know the 25 percent cut is definitely brutal and some way to avoid like two percent cuts the same day would be cool but there might always just have to be a 25 percent cut at least one somewhere um like a tournament that big the fact is is that it's a game with uh with variants and it's a one weekend and you gotta make do with it you can get
0: yeah the the hard part about it is like if you fix one problem then other problems just kind of arise right so like for instance if you make it so that points carry over or that you play more games then you suddenly run into an issue where like if you're still doing this top 25 percent cut there are there's like a period in time where players going into the last two games are playing for nothing or like the last three games even depending on how many points carry over like I think there's always going to be some point where a player in the tournament or x number of players in the tournament are playing for just prize money and not for advancement which I will say I actually feel like they did a pretty good job where they had top two moves on to the next round, but the payment threshold was top four. So if you made top four, you did make more money, and so I think there's still, you know, there's there's a lot that comes out of that, and it was a $300,000 prize pool, right? So they put a lot of money in to make it feel a little bit better, but even with that, I mean, I don't know. Like, Appy's, you went eighth in your first game, right, on day two? I did, yes. And then at that point, like, does the are you even considering like oh I'm, i'll play for top four to play for prize money or do you feel like advancement is kind of the only thing on your mind
1: no for sure i mean the, the interesting thing with 25 cut to though is that like with how lobby dynamics work out you can actually still go eighth and make it out without going one 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 even um like my lobby dynamic was really awkward in that i went like eight six and i think like, eight six three and if i go first the last game there's like a non-zero chance of me actually getting to the second wave which is like super fucking weird um but then there were some lobbies it was like it was like an, eight, was like an 18 point threshold or something in my lobby because everyone was so close definitely like the very top and then uh you know some lobbies were like a 22 point cut so it, it was like it definitely leaves a lot of room to be all over the place i i definitely will say that uh even going eighth game one um i guess a little doomed obviously but i, I was thinking a little bit about just like i want to get more money first off so i'm gonna keep playing well but also like you never know how lobby's gonna pan out, so like you can still again get, get out. So it's not like terrible if you go like eight eight. That's when I guess you really just, you know, <laughs> so you check out for sure. But um, but also no, like, if you I, go eight eight, eight, like you, I like there's no solve for that, right? Like yeah, you know, no, no. There's, there there shouldn't be a solve. If You go eight 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 eight, you should feel like shit. <laughs> you know, not like you. Maybe you played well, you went eight eight, but you probably didn't because you went eight eight. So. You know, feeling like shit in that situation probably isn't like the game's fault or the tournament's fault. I mean you just went eight eight, man. So <laughs> yeah, no, I think I think for what it was, I, I think the tournament was set up pretty well. Um I, I you gotta imagine some people uh, more qualified than, than at least me, um, you know, thought on the format and came up with what it was.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if in the future they do switch it up. Like I actually let me t- I would be surprised if they ran it back with the exact same format for the next open which they did announce the, yeah. that there is going to be another LAN event. They said that North Americans will have to travel for it. I have no idea. I'm I would imagine it's Europe because I feel like Europe is easier to get to than China, but I feel like it's probably either Europe or China. This is like not really a there's not that much to discuss, but I don't know. Do either of you have any I don't have know any world. bets on it? In Japan? Fuck it. Oh Japan, that'd be cool. What about oh, you, Malala? That'd be cool.
2: Wait, I thought they were. I thought they already announced that it was in Macau or something. But oh, I guess no, wait, what? Oh, is the leaker
0: leak or no? <laughs> no, no, I don't. I don't know anything.
2: I have. I have no. <laughs> I have no hints. But I. I always. I've been thinking that it was Macau for the, ever since. Ever since Vegas.
1: <laughs> really? Yeah. Like the yeah. the director T F T or not? I guess says more the director of like. One of the riot directors is like, whispering in your ear, huh? And you're like, hey, hey <laughs> you know, congrats on winning also. Don't leak, but it's here next year.
0: Yeah, yeah. I see it. I, I feel like yeah, when they handed him the check. Hey, how did it feel holding a giant check, by the way? It's
2: in the back of the screen, too. I don't know if you noticed, Nick. Oh, it's I did. Back oh, my gosh. There it is. It's so fucking like, cool. That's my only decoration. And then uh, I'll, I'll, like put the, I'll put like the belt somewhere else, too. How
0: did you get that
2: home? Uh, they they uh, shipped it to me. It's like it was uncarryable. It's like it just <laughs> oh, hangs nice. over my bed frame.
0: That's so sick. <laughs> That's so sick. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Anyway, we, we talk a little bit about four. Oh, actually, one thing I did want to talk about, and I hope this does not come off as as flame Malala, but I wanted to just acknowledge the fact that Malala won the Vegas Open while being fifth overall in points, <coughs> which is the unique part of Checkmate. Um, And also, though, I feel like this is kind of a cool moment to just celebrate players like Broccoli, who ended the tournament with an 8-point gap over second place, despite not winning the event. Broccoli had the tournament run of a lifetime, and I, I mean, I think, Malala, when you said it earlier, like... It just came down to nerves, right? Like, everybody is feeling it in those last couple moments. I mean, solely like we were watching Broccoli not reposition Caitlyn fight after fight and just miss the the positioning against the Yone in every single fight and then losing. Like, you really do just see it come down to the single moments. And it, it kind of, at least for me, illustrates this part of TFT where, like, oh, there's a lot of the game that you can't control, but this tournament in particular evidenced to me that... If you can control the parts where you actually are at the wheel, where the game says, "Here are the keys. If you can bring it home, you will win the tournament," then that's the difference between being the highest scorer in a tournament but being second place and being Malala, right? Like that's actually the difference cuz Malala clutched it out when he had um, when he had the agency to win and and other players didn't.
1: Yeah, I um I you know, I I, I, well, he's a little biased because he won the tournament, uh, but I, I think it's like a really good format. I think Chetmate's actually really good for this kind of event. Like, I, I think Chetmate feels like a celebration of TFT in that situation, right? Like, it's so much more hype. Like, like, I feel like you know, if we know that Broccoli's winning that game because he just has the most, or winning the tournament because he has the most point points in that situation, the, like, the atmosphere would have been totally different in the venue. It, it was, it was like fucking electric, dude. There, it was insane. The, yeah. Everyone was popping off. Like, it was, it, it was absolutely mind-blowing that people were that excited about tft and without checkmate that's not there and i think that's the kind of environment because yeah, this isn't this isn't worlds i mean it's like higher stakes even potentially uh in terms higher of like money you know, yeah. stuff but like at the feeling of the day this is really like a convention kind of thing right it's, it's more like a tft con than anything and it, it it celebrated tft much better than i think a non-checkmate format would have celebrated tft yeah
2: yeah yeah i kind of uh, agree yeah. like I,
0: if you have any other thoughts on like go for it.
2: Yeah, sure. Like, the, I feel like the format—I I, I guess it's like really good for viewers, and it's especially good for like a live event. Um, like every, like I think like after game, like that Kevin Parker Yone game versus like Broccoli Caitlin, Every single game after that is legit. Like the last bite of every game, everyone's one HP. And like even in yep. the, the last game. <laughs> so I actually like just like through my headphones, I hear everyone chanting humbug, humbug. And I was just like, oh, shit. <laughs> oh man.
0: Yeah, the energy of that room. And I, I don't want to linger because there's still so much to talk about. We've already been live for 40 minutes, but I said on, on day one on the broadcast that the difference between the Vegas Open and so many tournaments that I've that I've attended or worked is that so many people play in these tournaments to hope to tr- and try and be a part of the show. But at the Vegas Open, the second you walked into that room, you were a part of the show. Just the energy of the room, the atmosphere, the chanting, the screams that you heard in the background, the lighting, like everything just felt so good from day one. But when it all came together in day three and you had the electric screaming, the humbug chant, Ashmu freaking out and losing his mind like three (laughs) times a game. It was so cool to see everything come together. So, yeah, awesome stuff. Um, I know... Okay, so we did get someone talk about format in Discord, but they're not able to come in for a call, so I think we're probably just going to skip over it for right now, because I do want to talk about um, viewership. I want to give a nod to this, because the viewership of the Vegas Open between the main broadcast and the co-streams was a peak of 150,000 viewers, an average of 82,000, and a total hours watched of 2 million. Now. These numbers don't really mean a lot without a frame of reference, so I compared them to a few different tournaments, and what I learned was it had more hours watched uh, than Worlds, similar peak viewership as World Championship for Set 9, and it had more than triple the average North American viewership for um, all of our cups. When I saw this, it kind of blew my mind. Obviously, they spend a lot of money, but at least for me, Malala, it's like to see TFT up there with like the premier games is something we haven't really seen a lot and it kind of blew my mind to see the Vegas Open outcap world championship because in worlds you have like all of China and you know you have representation from so many other parts of the world and we really did not have that in the same uh, like the same capacity at the Vegas Open. It was largely North America and Europe.
2: Yeah, I mean I feel like TFT is like one of the esports that's actually like growing uh, and the eSports scenes like relative to everything else like uh, like with like Valorant like they're like dropping like a bunch of teams and like even like the LCS is like declining and stuff. But it seems like Riot is actually like working like pretty hard towards actually expanding TFT and it just feels like TFT is on the come up. So yeah. Yeah, we're the release port
1: now.
0: Sully, <laughs> <laughs> I know you were you were surprised by the numbers right when you saw them in the run of show. You want to give your kind of your impressions when you saw that?
1: Yeah, I mean, fuck yeah, man. As my yes. impression, like that's so good. I thing is TFT. I think, I think the last little bit because like obviously esports, it's kind of in the esports winters. we will call it right, like 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 Mal said, like Valorant League, things are things are declining at least in the West. Um, and TFTs, I feel like the infrastructure that TFT was always built on, like it, it's built on like a streamer base rather than like a professional player base, right? If you're a professional player and you're making money, you're living off of TFT, you're streaming at the same time, and like. You know, there's all kinds of. I feel like there's all kinds of things that TFT does that just will the other esports. And I feel like that set us up so well for the current spot and seeing it just grow like this so much. And like, I, I, um, I. So at the start of Vegas, they uh, like the first day, the other first day, there was this, this anime this video on on the screen, right? Of the animation they made, and it was so fucking cool. And I was like, I, I literally, while I was watching it, I went to like look at the person, I think like, let's, let's, let's look at Ram Kevin and say something. And I, I, I thought he said something like I was going to start crying, which sounds really stupid and, and wow. like kind of cringe, right? But I was like, holy shit, like this is so big now. Like this, like TFT has come so far that like we have, like everything here is just so fucking cool. And I think that that's what that, the same kind of effect, right? It's like, is like seeing the viewership and stuff that TFT has come so far in like a pretty short amount of time. And it's it's, I feel like the base for TFT is so well built. We have, like, an insane dev team, a committed player base, like, a really cool set of, like, top players and streamers and content creators. And we're just growing and growing and growing. And, like, Vegas felt like it didn't feel like the end or anything, right? It felt like the start. It, like, it, it's insane because it felt so big and it felt like come so far. But it felt like it's the beginning of something, like, crazy for TFT. It's so cool. I, I'm just very excited. TFT is very Pog, and I'm glad it's it's doing well. Also, this set is fucking awesome. Like, fuck dragons. <laughs> <set's cool. laughs>
0: um, I I, I want to pose this question to the two of you, and Malala, you can start. But because, Sully, you, you mentioned something that's really interesting. And, and when you're talking about the effect that an event like this has on you personally, in TFT, most of us are not making enough to support ourselves, and the ones that are, are not living lavishly, they, they make enough to get by, and obviously you have your your um, oh, your outliers, but most of the people who consider themselves professional are not making a lot of money, right, and they're doing this because they really care about it, because it's an investment, they believe that maybe one day it will get to a place where it supports them in a way that they find more responsible did going to an event like this and and I, I this kind of this kind of needs to be a caveat here of like one do you see yourself in a place where you want are, are committed long term to competing in TFT for a longer period of time and two how did this event affect the way you see your place in TFT Malala
2: uh yeah I mean honestly like yeah with what happy said like the way things are going right now it's kind of hard to just like all in TFT and like Make that your primary like source of income, or like just like have that be like your job, uh, especially for like pro players. I think because I think like also streaming like takes a toll on your like performance competitively. Kind of like it's like really hard to be like tip top shape for like tournaments and like not like any type of like actually do like valuable studying when you're streaming. Um, and then going on to that, I think like the event did show that there's a lot of potential in TFT. I think if we have like. If we keep seeing like growth in TFT, maybe like the price pools will get better or like, um, or more people will be watching TFT streams and then more people will be able to all in and like it'll be a lot more competitive. And it seems like they're probably going that way, but yeah, like right now it's like kind of hard to fully commit. It,
0: it's, it's hard to find the balance of like what sustainability for professional TFT players even looks like because one of the draws of TFT is how easy it is to get in and just become a pro player. And so what does it look like if we're trying to support a field of professional players while at the same time maintaining that level of accessibility for the casual fan? Like, do we are we making a league five years from now where professional players are all making six figures? Well then, how many people do we want to support? Can we afford to support 160 professional players, right? Like, probably yeah. not anytime soon. So it's just, it's hard. It's hard to, like, anytime you solve one problem, you, you kind of start another one. But, yeah, silly. I think it, yeah. Say, I think it will
1: look different, because I feel like that's the kind of thing you've seen in esports historically, right? Um, and I think it will look different than that. I, I think DFT is definitely, it's like the, it's like the next wave of, like, the esports boom kind of, you know, it's, I don't think it's going to look, I don't think it's going to look like League does now you know like five years down the line i think it's going to look like its own thing it's going to evolve in its own way where you know it's learning from the mistakes of of, of esports you know ghosts from the past kind of thing right it's not I think it'll be a different thing and who knows what that'll look like in terms of sustainability for people trying to play tft full time um but i i think you know as someone who right now does play tft full time and like you know obviously that, that's not just streaming it's like or playing it's like streaming and coaching and and like doing sponsorship stuff but um I like the Vegas felt really good from that perspective. Like it felt like, you know, TFT has a lot of room for passion and a lot of room for content, you know, born from passion and like, um, that be streaming or YouTube or TikTok, whatnot. Right. There's all kinds of room for just like, just everything in TFT right now. It it feels like such an open field. It feels like something that's growing and it's, yeah, Vegas was was a very inspiring event I think for someone in a position where they're like, do I want to you know, do I do I want to Yeah, no, I'm not you put probably your marbles in the TFT basket, right? Cuz you never you should never do that. You should never be like if I don't play if I don't become a TFT professional, I'm I'm fucked. Like I'm just I'm, you know, I'm on the streets. That's that's not what you want to say. But, you know, if you want to take TFT more seriously, I think now is a good time to do it. And I think Vegas was certainly a, a good indicator for the future of TFT.
0: That's right. And I truly believe that the next open event, we won't have one player playing under the Hyrule Radio banner, but two players playing for a used hat and a $100. <laughs> <laughs> Things are only going up around these parts. But you need to give the hat back, right? We need that. No, he has it. Uh, he has it. I know, I, should, I, I did think about it. I also offered, for the record... Well, actually, two things. One, I realized this morning how fit I was to run an eSports organization because I woke up <laughs> and realized that I never paid Joe Bookmark. So, <laughs> I was like, great, I fit right in. This is perfect. So Joe Joe B has officially been paid as of this morning. Um, the second thing is I did offer him a used hat that I had worn and also a new hat. And Joe... In, like, the most Joe Bookmark fashion, if you don't know Joe Bookmark, this is, like, this is all you need to know about him is that he chose to have the used hat. He, he only wanted the hat that I had worn on my head. So, Joe B, proud of you. Don't know how you did in the tournament, but I know it wasn't great, but it wasn't that bad. So, good work, buddy. Good work. Alright, now we have we have a caller oh, yeah. who did want to talk about the tournament. And so I'm gonna we're gonna end here with the caller's take. Just last kind of wrap up for Vegas before we move on to talk about the patch. I'm gonna bring him on right now. It is Summer Camp's very own Honey Bear. Honey Bear, where are you calling in from and what do you want to talk about?
4: Yo, what's up, everybody? Calling in from Michigan. Uh wanted to talk first, specifically for Gangly you and Malala uh also hey Malala I'm Honeybear nice to meet you I met the other guys but nice to meet you (laughs) nice to meet you uh one to talk about the the crowd one the crowd was freaking amazing uh but how did it feel casting in the crowd as well as playing in the crowd specifically final day uh you know it wasn't as big when people were kind of walking around but I'll let it go from there
0: yeah uh, I'll start because I feel like people are less interested in what I have to say. So I'll get it out of the way and then we can move on to Malala winning in that crowd. Um, It was I mean, it's unreal. One, I've never experienced a crowd like that in a place where like you're supposed to be doing something else. The only time I've ever been in a crowd for an event like that, I'm either working and I'm like shooting with a camera or I am watching and I'm screaming, but to be on the couch and like trying to keep composure and trying to make eloquent points or whatever while everybody is just erupting in the background is crazy! It's unbelievable, it's so hard to focus, um, but and at some point you just end up screaming because there's nothing else to do. So, the end of the cast that I was on, I know especially the, the, um, the game 4, 5, four, I think I was on, I forget what number it was. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just, like, un- unmatched energy in the entire place, and it's really hard to think. So, it it really is like, at some point, your adrenaline just takes over, and you're, like, autopiloting. And you just let the energy take you wherever it, it wants. But, anyway, now you guys can go.
4: And, Gangly, real fast, you were casting the, the Yone game, right? Were, no, was that no. you on the couch?
0: No, I was not the Yone, because the Yone game, I was with, with Appies. I was the game after that, which was... Uh, Oh, the jazz, jazz, Wait, the j- uh, jazz, jazz, yeah, the, j- the, the jazz, jazz, game. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, the that's jazz game. Woo. Okay. Yeah, which, yeah, I mean it was crazy. And so, man, I, I don't want to derail. We, we can move on, but like, let. us uh, I feel like Malala should probably should probably go next. Uh, just like talking about energy yeah. of uh, playing in that atmosphere.
2: Yeah, sure. I actually played on like main stage, uh, like the last night at day two. Um, I remember, like before even like playing the first game for that, I was super nervous. I, I thought I was gonna get be eliminated because uh, my lobby was like pretty stacked. It's like me, Michael, or uh, I Michael, doubles, CamBiz, Ripple, and Phoenix, and like I- I had a super stacked lobby. And I was super nervous about playing on stage, but like there, there weren't that many people watching. I think it's like people are like watching like the other games, like maybe the Broccoli game because he was like in a game with Flip Flancy. Um, so I was like super nervous for that. And then going into day three, which was the final day. Uh, I actually wasn't like super nervous. I feel like I noticed that like a lot of every, like a lot of the other guys were a lot more nervous than me. So I just try to make sure like I that I stay cool and calm and just like focus on myself and focus on the game. Especially like after I was like playing bad the first few games, I was just thinking to myself that you know like going like six at Vegas isn't bad. And it's, it's just like making sure I like stay stay relaxed and you know it's it's never over until it's actually over. Um, and then at the end, the crowd is just like amazing. Like when I actually won, so it's like.
4: Yeah, I was like super right. Yeah, I, on top of that, I know they have, like, noise-canceling, but did it distract you at all? Kind of the second point I, I wanted to make or question I wanted to have. Uh, did it distract you at all with all the humbug chants? Because that was loud. Um, you yeah. know, I felt like you were uh just kind of secondary if you will until you won it right yeah. as everybody was looking at humbug like oh we can make it to game eight like we can keep yeah. this thing going <laughs> uh but how did that make you feel like did did it feel like you had just conquered a mountain uh at that time or
2: <laughs> yeah honestly like i feel like there's always more pressure for like the guy they're cheering for which is like like even the like like even the final day like i feel like there's like i feel like really bad for probably there's probably like a ton of pressure on him he's like going in into the final lobby as like the best performing na player and he has like everyone's like saying like he has like super amazing read and he's probably gonna win and like going to that last lot that last um fight where it's like i lost the fight before and everyone's like cheering for humbug i was like i kind of like knew in my head that like he probably wouldn't like change his positioning that much because like he's like everyone's like so nervous right it's like you, you actually don't even think that much and so i try to use that to my advantage and just like position so it's like i try i just tried staying cool calm and then until like the very end when like everything finally hit me that I was actually gonna win. He got his ass.
4: Yeah. Went,
2: <laughs> Humba go
4: eight eight seven one? Is that was that his score line?
2: I think he went first twice. Yeah. First twice one, one, to, to get to two, that spot. Right?
0: Yeah. 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 Or that sounds right. It was something something along or those lines. It was definitely it. it was definitely eight, eight, seven somewhere in the first three games. I know that much. Yeah. And then had to be something like one, one, two. Or- or- 8, eight eight seven one two or something like that. Yeah. yeah, I know because were remember games. Yeah, I was whatever it was. It was two bot twos, or three bot twos, and it was, then it was bad. And then two really good scores yeah. into a into check that he potentially won with it with game six. Yeah, um, Malala, can you talk about the moment when you realized you won? Okay, so like it's pretty close, yeah. right? Yeah, it was really
2: close. Like I noticed, like in the like the so there was like two fights where it's like me versus Humbug. Um, so the fight where he beat Kevin Parker, I, I fought his ghost and I won. So I was like, I was like, oh shit, like I, I might actually win. And then I got like stomped the fight afterwards. I realized it was like some Kiana positioning stuff, and like his Kiana is just like just drain taking my Ari. Like I had blistering strikes, uh red buff, like, and like uh the healing debuff, but his Kiana's is still healing full on every cast. And I was like, well, like what's going on? Like like I I don't get it, and like. And then the last fight, I just noticed that like he's he's still centering Kiana, and as long as I like he doesn't farm too many items and like as long as I can one-shot it, I, I'll win. And like in that last fight, like I still thought I was gonna lose. And I think Noel typed GG when um like the stuff on his left side died, but his like echo was still up, like I, I was still like not sure <laughs> I was gonna win until the very, very end. And when like like I think you can even see like my reaction uh, in the player cams. I was like I legit say holy shit and I take off my headset and I just like, run to the stage. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm in like so much disbelief. And yeah. Yeah, that's when I realized that's that. awesome. Yeah.
0: Yeah, what a magical ending to the tournament. It's I love that it came down to such a close fight too, because in TFT there are times where you know the fight is over the second you spawn in and see the positioning. The fact that it was like back to back and it's back and forth, you win, you lose, you reposition, it's a puzzle and like it actually feels like the agency of the person is what won the tournament. That was really, really cool to see.
1: It's like a fairy tale day three. It yeah. really is like if there was any day three to have like the biggest tft tournament of all time to you know show people the future of tft could be it was that day three um especially like like even like winning it with like an off meta thing really right? <laughs> not that there was like oh there's a meta but like a cool like call me play like, one and you know 10 one a 100 games whatever right that's it's just super cool that's yeah. super cool
4: i think that was cool for tft lovers and you know casual players all the same Uh, You know, because the the try-hard challenger players are looking at that like, holy crap, he won with this? Are you kidding me? Uh, And then the hype from the casters was, uh, you know, just bringing it over the top as well.
0: Sully, I don't want to just move on without opening up the floor to you. Did did you have a moment in the tournament where you felt like you actually were affected by, like, the energy? I know when Kevin and I were watching you play, every time we wanted to talk about your spot, we would turn our backs and, and look away so that you couldn't hear anything <laughs> nice. you were saying. But while we're just, like, judging every decision you're making, right? We're, we're like, going down the tree. Did you feel like the, the atmosphere affected you at all? Uh,
1: not really. No, I, I um, there. The only moment I was like ever surprised by was there was one moment like game, or I think in the like uh, the second wave of or second heat of day one. I like turned around and expected because like Jim Raymond watched me every game and like um, like Wolo and I, I turned around and it was just like a bunch of people I had no idea who they were. And I was like.
0: Uh, <laughs> I, I thought this story was going to be that you turned around and realized you were helplessly alone <laughs> that everybody oh, no. had left you <laughs> <laughs> no was,
1: I mean this was actually day two because I had it was day two because it was when I was in the cause day one I played and I had, like the stream setups both feeds both and the second day I played in the other ones and I turned around and there I was like a bunch of people that I had no idea who the fuck they were and I was like I was like about to turn around and start bitching about something. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, man, I really needed that, that something. And then I turned around and start talking and it's just no one I know. Right. And they're like, yeah. <laughs> but no, there is nothing. I, the TC, the TC forged, forged us in fire. All of
0: us. TC forged all of us in fire. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> You're is in fire. Sure. All right, anyway, uh, Honey Bear, that, that's going to do it for, uh, for this take, but thanks so much for calling in. Is there anything you want to shout out before you go?
4: Uh, yeah, thanks so much, guys. Shout out to the summer camp guys. It was amazing. We, uh, we got to sit in the front row, Malala. If you saw the idiots in the front row cheering at you, uh, that was us. So yeah. thanks so much for putting on a good show and getting uh, Gangly spices. Thanks for, thanks for having me.
0: And also, real quick, shout-out to Honeybear, if you were here for the, for the pre-show, you know, but Honeybear made a Pokemon, Pokemon, card. Pokemon card of me, a bu- he, well, of a bunch of people, people. I'm, I'm just true. one, I'm one of many, but the coolest TFT gift I've ever been given, it has like my highest LP, it has different abilities, it has my little legend, extremely thoughtful okay. gift, Honeybear is the GOAT, uh, Summer Camp is less to I, go. yeah i understand i, I love <laughs> summer camp i i, I don't have the time to go down the rabbit hole of this bit summer camp is great shout out to all of them um honeybear we'll catch you later thanks for the for the for the call
4: thanks so much guys all right
0: hey. all right so I know we are already past nine o'clock, and I know Appy's. You can't even say that late. Do you still have? Do you have time to talk about Pat the new yeah, patch no, at all? I can a little bit longer. We have. We have it's a really call good. waiting too, where we can talk about the new patch. But just to give a quick rundown, <laughs> we're now on Patch thirteen point twenty four B or thirteen point twenty five. I don't know why they're using two different names for the same patch, but but they are. Either of them are fine, apparently. Um, it's because it was planned, and then like. So there's like that the whole bet with like more
1: where if he has to pay five hundred dollars, people are gonna shit talk. And people are like, "Why don't you pay five hundred dollars?" If they, I, I, it's like a planned patch. It like it's, it's telling it's like a, it's a not on more schedule, but it was like a planned thing. So I like think they just. I see. I see. Anyways. So yeah. That's what I saw.
0: Well, anyway, there's there, there were actually quite a few changes. Um, I don't know if either of you want to give, like, a very concise rundown. The, the most important things, I think, that were changes, though, were that the Fast 9 meta of the previous patch has been toned down. <coughs> Playing around level 9 is still the way to cap out your board. Like, it kind of always is in TFT, but level 8 is being played significantly more frequently. Um, largely for a few different buffs that came in, but also the headliner odds of level 9 were dropped for from 10% for a five cost headliner down to 2%. Like I said though, there's kind of a lot of changes in the meta has changed changed a ton. Malala, do you want to just give your kind of first impressions of the new patch now that you've been playing it?
2: Yeah, honestly, um, so initially I think the first reaction to the patch was like you, you just play like a lot of reroll, like all the one costs and like two costs or like three costs or whatever. But like right now I've been like super frustrated going fast eight. It's like Everyone like slams IE Hodge or like IE Blue Buff Red Buff, <laughs> and then like whoever hits Ezreal chosen or Kayle chosen and one roll wins, and if you miss, you lose. Um, and then you have to push nine. But I guess like and like a lot of people are playing like open for Jax or like open for Yone. Um, I don't. Know, I think Darth had like a lot of success with that. He like climbed like four hundred LP just open for Yone, and so did a Weird, uh, for smurf account. Yeah, but I yeah, think he- it's just like player diff right now, so. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean,
1: those are. I think those are like two really popular strategies on this patch, right? It's like the it, the amount of people because like, I think the first couple days no one was really playing playing as Kate stuff still, so, right? There was a bunch of re-roll and there's like the key. Dude, can you even put like carry roll on his on his list? Oh my god, that is really the worst of all time. But uh, anyway. Um, yeah there was definitely people like try to feel the patch a little bit at first i think it, it's landed a lot and like there's a lot of like heart steel mid game into like fast eight and to look for the chosen backliner costs. um i do think there's a lot of room to play other stuff too like there's a lot of room for ap flex there's actually a lot of room to roll on seven and on six believe it or not there's like i'm uh i've been doing a lot of limit testing today i i, I lost a lot of L2 today in the process but there's there's definitely a lot of a lot of interesting um a lot of interesting lines. I, I think the meta is gonna because we're gonna be on this patch for a while. Remember the last long patch we had was the Jax Yumi patch, yep. which was yep. I think low-key, like by the end of it, one of the best patches of TFT yep. of all time. Um, oh, wow. Okay. it was so good. It was so good by the end. It was super balanced, there's like so many things to play. Um, and I think this patch is gonna head in the same direction. I don't I don't think that like people are gonna start realizing like if you just try to fast date every game and like play the lot like the, the four cost lottery as Twitch chat likes to call it. <laughs> It's not, it's, that's not the way to play the game right now. I think there's, yeah, there's some cool stuff to play.
0: Now um, we have a, uh, we do have like a caller who wanted to kind of contextualize um, <laughs> the perception of, of the patch right now. So I want to bring him on. <laughs> and Mr. Incredible is here. Mr. Incredible, first off, great to meet you in Vegas. Welcome yeah. to the show. What? Where are you calling in from and what do you want to talk about?
3: Yeah, calling in from Florida. Nice to meet you in Appy's the day before so we could, I mean, I, I wasn't, probably originally part of the plan, but it was nice to tag along. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so basically I want to talk about the new patch. Obviously on Twitter, there's been some commotion from Bebe about the, the balance in general, but especially like the the current state of, of the balance. And then on the other side of it, we had Pockygom today or yesterday say that this is the most flexible that TFT has been in a really long time. And I just wanted to know where y'all's uh, views l- land in that spectrum. If if you like the the current state of balance, or if you are also a doomer like uh, baby. I yeah,
0: personally wait. Say it again. I good. Yeah, you think it's I like good. It. Yeah, I, like I, it. I think it's good too. I, Malala, it sounds like you're you're less on the enjoying uh, the enjoyment train <laughs> right now of the patch. Is that is that uh, correct? Uh, uh,
2: uh. Well, the thing is, I actually agree with Abby's, like, with the Jax Yumi patch in, like, Set set 8, I think. Mm-hmm. That patch was actually, like, really good. It just takes, like, a long time for people to, like, figure out that you can't just be playing, like, the OP shit every yeah, game. Yeah, you just play Jax Yumi on Jax Yumi patch. Un- until, you're good, <laughs> until you're good at the game, you're just, like, bad that you can't play the OP stuff. <laughs> so, yeah, that's pretty much what I feel was, that Because, like, the Jax Yumi patch, like, Samira was really good and Talia was really good. But, like, no one was just playing it because they are just hard-forcing, like, Jax Yumi every game. And it's probably a similar situation uh, on this patch. It's just like people are just not good enough right now.
0: I saw a take on Twitter, and I maybe maybe someone here can recall who it was. Somebody said something along the lines of, "Oh, maybe this is the Pocky tweet." Actually, something along the lines of like the patch right now is what people is the closest people have been. Uh wait is the closest to the flex play people have been yeah. describing in a long time was that the party? yeah tweet. Yeah, that was, that was okay yeah yeah so just to let me give that context for anyone who's listening right now and and is not familiar so the difference that um, between flex play of previous sets and what has kind of happened in like the last couple I would say maybe like seven through nine um, is that flex play used to be defined as you can play a series of lines and outs fluidly throughout the game and are not locked into one line until you are really min-maxing at the very end where you still have like certain optimizations versus flex play in the last three sets has been primarily when the game loads in, there are a lot of lines, but by the end of stage two, you really have to be locked into what you're playing and then pilot it well. So I, personally, I feel like and actually, I feel like the best evidence of why I feel this way is um, the fact that I've been doing, like, TikTok content. I did that throughout the weekend at at Vegas. It... I think this is the most flexible and the healthiest game, stage to stage, that we've had in a, a very long time. I think the reason... the evidence for that, though, is, is primarily, like, we don't have cookie-cutter copy-and-paste builds. I actually find it very difficult to make... Casual guides for it, which is a lot what a lot of my TikTok content um, has been in the past It's actually very hard to make casual friendly guides for this set because there's actually just a lot of critical thinking and like Yeah, it does come down to like you can slam IE, red buff, blue buff and pray you hit Ezreal but I, I also feel like even with that There is fluidity and skill expression in building level eight boards around the headliner that you're offered or being able to ladder from one headliner to another on your roll down that offers way more skill expression than we've ever seen before. Whether it's a question of this patch being well balanced or just the general makeup of the set making it so that this is just the way you play, I'm not exactly sure. Personally, I'm a a big fan of this patch though and I think it's the healthiest TFT has been in a long time.
1: Yeah, I um, I agree. I think a lot of how I judge like the health of your how much I enjoy TFT is how actual spots feel. I guess in you know like beyond just stage, like how much my decisions feel like they matter beyond just um like like past each year. Because for a long time now, if for example, instead nine point five, especially in the tome meta, like I and st- <laughs> T- you know you <laughs> stay stage two, you know like you have these these things laid in front of you, and you're like, okay, I'm gonna play the Demacia line this game. I'm gonna play the the noxus line. This game, yeah, yeah, you know, you know more than any line. You know more or less what you're playing, and you just that's how well you can, you know, manage the micro within that, and then get there. um But it's not like this. Like, there's a lot of spots in the game where you can just do things. Like, so for example, in Vegas, I think this is a patch which is better than Vegas patch, like a better version of it. And in Vegas, there were a couple games where I literally had no way to play my stage two. And I, I like played a lot. Like, I, there's one game where I got rolled on like level six, a ton, level seven, a ton, and level eight, a ton, and with, like second or third, and a lot of where I should have just, I like, you know, I feel like another set, I would have just gone eight because my opener was so fucking bad. Uh, and I, there were like, <laughs> there were so many spots I could make decisions, and so many spots I could like change the, yeah, you know, change the future of my game by by actually doing things and deciding things and, and being proactive with it where yeah i think like that's a very healthy spot for the game to be in where there's like a lot of productivity in the mid game rather than just like i'd make decisions on stage two i roll down on stage four you know if i and again for some reason right now which is fair um it, it i think a lot of the perception of this patch for people that are being frustrated frustrated with it, which is myself to agree too there's definitely a moment today where i was like seven eight eight and i was like this game fucking sucks like all it is is, is real <laughs> all it is killing um you know where it's like you you're like okay i'm gonna have my opener stage two i'm gonna skip stage three i'm gonna put in heart steel and I'm going to roll on 4-2, and I'm either going to hit Ez or Kate or I'm going to go fast eight and queue it up again, baby. Um, <laughs> but, it, you know, it, the more you start playing around with spots in the mid-game, I think there is a lot of room to that, which is why it's a good catch.
0: So, Malala, did uh, remind me, did you say you played set 4 or no?
2: Yeah, I played set 4. That was the first set I hit Challenger.
0: That was the first set you hit Challenger. Okay. Yeah. I remember, and I, you both may need to help fill in the gaps here, I remember a period of time in set 4... Where stage three was basically just like non-existent. Nobody played stage three, and then you'd play, stage you'd play your opener, and then you'd play stage stage four. They had like the whole whole like four-one lottery, whatever. Do you feel uh, like a similar essence in this patch where three-two is difficult to play around? I I can I know like personally I have a lot of trouble figuring out how to play the game when I need to roll on three-two. And that's like a frustration for me, and I, it's hard to know though sometimes if it's like a gap in my understanding of the patch versus like the patch itself. So I'm, I'm curious to know how you guys feel about Stage Three in general. I wish Twitch was good. <laughs> you wish Twitch was good. I, I like watched one of good, your games stage in Vegas. A lot easier. <laughs> I remember a game in Vegas where all I thought was like, "Wow, this Twitch unit is
1: unbelievably bad." <laughs> I feel like um, like Stage Three is really hard now. you because it's hard to find. Sorry, and you might have an interesting wall. Um, but I feel like like stage three is tough to navigate. I think there's a lot of spots you can roll at to know around like what you want to play around. And, like set up. I think you have to set yourself up pretty properly for it. Um, you know, because like you set yourself up on stage two to go for like the with like level eight items, right? Like things that want to hold the items in level eight. And there's there's like and there's obviously overlap between stuff that you go for on A and stuff that you go for on like sticks or what items they want to hold. But if they could to be a little more intentional with it right now, because like they spike a little bit differently. But if Twitch was good, man, then all of a sudden, like, you just get to play all this punk shit in, in Stage 3, and then you get to play, like, around Vex and Samira really easily, and, like, there's all these three costs open up, and a move is already very good, becomes even better. Which maybe is a problem. But there's <laughs> just, like, a lot of things you can play very easily, I feel like, if Twitch is good. So basically, it's a good patch, but Twitch needs a buff.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I feel like a lot of the the set right is just like knowing when to sell your chosen and like when you should roll for a better one uh i feel like i don't know i feel like me personally like i do it d- a decent amount on three two and i do it a decent amount on three five like rolling on six and then rolling on seven uh but the issue with that is that like you have to be really aware of like your game plan like how much gold you have and whether or not you're still able to four two because like if you're not able to four two and you're forced to four five like, all, of the, all of the units you want on 8 are going to be gone anyway. So it's like, <laughs> yeah. you, sh- you shouldn't even 4-5 at that point. You should just be, like, re-rolling or something. But then if you're yeah. in that spot, then it's like, maybe you shouldn't have even rolled on 3-2 or, or even on 3-5, which is, like, kind of, like, yeah. the tough part of, of the set.
1: There's yeah. a lot of butterfly effect this this yeah. set, where it's like, you, you know, you're, you're like, she decision on 2-1, it just bones your 4-2, and you're like, man, this, my world, that was so bad. Like, <laughs> like, what went wrong in Stage 3 where this happened? But it was actually just you, like, buying your chosen pantheon on... Yeah,
0: team, team <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, Mr. Incredible, I don't know if you have any follow-up thoughts before we before we uh, transition out.
3: Yeah. Um. I mean, I I I was one game off challenger before the patch, and then I ran it down to zero LP. So obviously, <laughs> oh. I didn't have it this time. Um. But I'm back up a couple hundred, so you know, Let's I'm go. figuring it out. I've had similar experiences to what has been described. You know, blue buff, red buff. <laughs> i.e. slam, hope you hit. Um,
1: Unga quick. Yeah,
3: I don't know. Red, red buff probably just needs a, a bit of a nerf. <laughs> but other than that, like, did. I don't know. Yeah, it, It's so hard to slam bow items <laughs> right now. <laughs> yeah. Just because the item feels so strong. But other than that, I feel like, yeah, generally the patch is good. And I think the, the launch patch was also... I mean, other than obviously how strong Fast 9 was, like... Like, for, for a launch patch was really good, so I think for how early it is in the set, that it should end up in a really, really good spot, so, yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I 100% agree with your last point there. For how early it is in the set, it really does feel like we don't deserve for the game to be as good as as it is right now. When you think about the state of TFT in its... which I guess this is technically the third patch, but it's, like, essentially the second, because it was, like... Launch patch, small patch, small patch. Um, so, yeah, TFT is honestly, for how early it is, in a great spot. I, I'm feeling good about the trajectory of set 10. Um, so, Mr. Incredible, that's, that's going to do it. Is there anything you want to shout out before you go?
3: Uh, no, just shout out anyone I met at the at, at the at Vegas. It was really a, a fun time, even as a spectator. Uh, and hopefully... I am playing the game when <laughs> when they drop the passes next time so that I can actually get a pass. <laughs> right,
0: Godspeed. Oh, yeah. Godspeed to you, Mr. Incredible. We'll catch you later. All right, peace out. See you. All right, now, it's 9.20. It's been about an hour 20, so it's time to start wrapping it up. This has been an amazing episode so far. And honestly... I feel like we could have talked so much more about everything that we talked about. We spent like an hour just talking about Vegas, and I still feel like we didn't even get to touch everything that I wanted to to touch on. Um, But before we go to some closing thoughts, I have some news that I want to announce here on Hyrule Radio. I talked before about a new project that I had started, and it is finally ready to launch. This, to be honest, has been a pretty quick turnaround, and it's something that I... Spoke to a friend about and had an idea for maybe two weeks ago While I was doing all my prep for Vegas and then after Vegas I sat down one day and I was like, you know what? Let's just make it happen So right now I am very excited to announce the release of The official unofficial <laughs> Newsletter of team fight tactics the hyper Roll. now what this is is a curated content Newsletter. What I mean by that is uh, actually, you know, maybe the best way to, to sell this is to try and help you understand what the problem was. I believe in TFT, there's a very unique problem between the casual fan base, which is large, the casual fan base who wants to improve, which is huge, and the competitive TFT community, which is, by comparison, significantly smaller. With the kind of content that I've made historically, I tend to reach both of these audiences, but I've always had a hard time bridging that gap. I believe that making a newsletter that has a curated curated list of meta resources made by people in the community. I'm talking about people like Frodan who make their YouTube videos, Dishdope who has their content, you know, Asa with TFT Coaching, things like Tips of the Week, having competitive TFT news, having player spotlight, which spoiler, one of them, or the, the first player spotlight of the newsletter is in this call and he doesn't have pink hair. Things like... Uh, and it feels, dangly. T- t- TFT. <laughs> it's me. <laughs> yeah, <that's right. laughs> no, but, so this is a newsletter uh, for TFT that I have been working on very closely with CLE, uh, who's in chat right now. And Spicy Appy is also a contributor in the first issue. And I'm expecting him to be uh, kind of a long-term contributor yes. as well. If you want to... Join the newsletter. It'll be one email every patch. That's it. I'm not asking for a lot. I'm asking for you to open one email every patch, and the first one is launching tomorrow. It's free. It's It's completely free. Do it exactly. You you lose (laughs) nothing from doing it. If you want to join, all you have to do is go to hyperroll.beehive.com. That is hyperroll.beehiv.com. The link's going to be in the description. If you're watching on Twitch right now, the, the link is in chat. All you have to do, go in, put your email. I'm not selling your information. I'm not doing anything else with it. I'm sending yeah. you one email every two weeks. <laughs> so you've got nothing to lose. Just do it. And it's just the beginning. We've got some really cool stuff in store. Um, so excited to finally announce this. And uh, yeah, we got a little TFT News newspaper Going on, it's going so-, so cool. It's what TFT needs to. Again, you're right. It's so hard
1: to keep up with the game if you're doing it like casually. <laughs> it, it's like so hard to know what the hell's going on if you're not playing like ten hours of TFT, <laughs> yeah. five hours of of TFT a day. It really like, the, is. the meta just changes immediately. Um, especially when a patch switches over. Like you were you were grinding last week when you had COVID, and then you <laughs> messaged me after like a couple <laughs> days after saying, "Wait a second, there was a
0: B patch." I didn't get, and you know. I didn't realize the patch switched over. You were trying to fast nine, look for no, this little emerald gremlins were pulling me down as I'm trying to fast nine every game. It was horrible. It was cretins. Which but, I mean, and that's a very fair thing to
1: not know, though, right? Like, if you don't, if you don't keep up with a lot of TFT very religiously, then like this is the kind of stuff that a newsletter is very helpful for. So you like, you can just look in your email, say, like, "Oh, that changed."
0: Here's like what the meta might look like a little bit, and there you go. Perfect. And can I just mm-hmm. say? I'm up like 200 LP since starting the newsletter just a few days ago. So, (laughs) if nothing else, I am the evidence. If I can do it, literally anybody can do it. So, this is your opportunity. Go ahead, subscribe to the newsletter. It's going to come out every patch. The plan is to do it on the second week of each patch so that we have time for it to develop and give you information to climb in that full week uh, leading up to the next patch change. So, again, the link is hyperroll.beehive.com. The link is in the description. It's also in Twitch chat, and it's going to be all over socials. We also have a referral program, too, so if you share the newsletter with your friends, you can earn things like a Discord role, the TC4 sticker pack, or maybe even coaching from Spicy Appies, which he doesn't know about, but... This, this, is, this is literally oh, me breaking the oh, yeah. news. This is an official reward, though. We'll figure out the details later. Technically, you can pick your coach, but I, I imagine people are probably not picking me. Or maybe they are. I'm picking <laughs> you. That's right. that's right. Anyway, that, that's, uh, I won't take up any more time. We can move into our introductions. I didn't mean to take like a 10 minute segment on the, on the newsletter. Um, but, Appies, I'm going to give you the floor first. Anything you want to talk about, shout out while you have, while you have the, the floor?
1: No, I just shout out to Malala for coming on and for winning Vegas in a really cool fashion and making TFT look awesome. Because I mean, people are going to look to Vegas for a long time and for like the potential of TFT as a game. And you did a great job representing it. So
0: let's you. and go. You're a beast. <laughs> Absolute <laughs> monster. Yeah. All right, Malala, anything you want to say or shout
2: out? Yeah, shout out you guys. Uh, you know, just for having me. Uh, I feel like I had a really fun time on the show. Uh, yeah, that's nice. Yeah. I just love talking about TFT. Oh. Love hanging out with, like, I think like, the entire Vegas event was just, like, super fun just, like, being around everyone that, like, likes TFT, just like what Appy said before. It's just, like, it's an, an amazing event. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Also, shout-out to Malala for sponsoring a player at Vegas. <laughs> shout-out to Philip, my dark horse pick for Tri-State. <laughs> I, I, I saw it with the Lala Philip tag, and I was like, what is Lala? <laughs> no,
2: no, the, the story behind that is, like, Okay, so everyone's getting signed to DSG and we're just like sitting in our Discord server like, all right guys, we gotta we gotta take down DSG. It's like I'm gonna sign wajin Iverson, I'm gonna sign Basso, I'm gonna sign Philip. And then Philip goes to his like dashboard and just changes his name. <laughs> and he's like, Oh sh- I can't change it anymore. <laughs> oh, wait, really? <laughs> so basically my offer was like, I'll give you fifty bucks if you put Lala in your name. <laughs> I just ended up paying for
0: like a bunch of stuff at Vegas, so it's like whatever. <laughs> That's so sick, I'll actually. <laughs> what a beautiful piece of TFT lore. I'm so glad we have that. <laughs> All right. Nice um
1: board for sure.
0: Last shout outs before we go. I want to give a quick shout out to a couple things. Riot has kind of, like, sent me a ton of gifts lately. It's, it's very nice, but I do feel, like, a little bit like a Riot chill. But I want to thank them because they gave me, one, this sick bomber jacket at Vegas for being one of the commentators. I think they gave them to some other people as well. Um, they also just sent me a little holiday bundle. Where they gave me this cute little mug with oh. Nunu and... Uh, Wait, that's some, so cute. I don't know who else is on there. I that's can't a tell.
2: From Valorant. I think
0: it's oh, oh yeah. it's it's Jet from Val. I don't even know who I've never played. Valorant, I don't know who they left this. Yeah. But then there's Pengu. Pengu's in there, some over there. Yeah. yeah. So they. Yeah. Sorry, podcast. Wait, isn't the left just the kid on Nunu? <laughs> oh, is that who that <laughs> is? It's, it's Willump. Oh wait, is Nunu yeah, the Easter the? Kid? Oh wait, no, I think Nunu's the kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think <laughs> Willump. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, yes. Something like that. You're welcome, podcast listeners, for the engaging uh auditory content as you're just watching me sh- listen to me rub a mug in front of my camera. Uh, Made
1: Overwatch, someone says.
0: <laughs> that's right, yeah, that's it is. So yeah, shout out to Rai. They also they gave me these socks too. Uh Whoa, Same. whoa! That's for the patrons, bro. <laughs> you're, right, you're right. So, anyway, um, and, and again, I want to circle back and just say thank you to everyone in Vegas who came up, introduced yourself. I'm so I asked so many people to repeat their names so many times. Shout out to Crazy Pete, who I think I I asked like four times what what their name was. And uh so, shout out to all of you. So, TFT is amazing, and it, it's so special to be able to come together in Vegas on the podcast on socials, on on Discord, everything. So thank you all for just making this community so cool. Um, that's really all I got. Subscribe to the newsletter, though, because I'm telling you, it's going to be a hit, and you're going to want these rewards. It's
4: on.
0: And, and oh, Tomorrow morning and, yeah, tomorrow. we're going to wake <laughs> up, and, and Sully has to uh, redeem someone redeems like four <laughs> coaching sessions. <laughs> surely nobody shares the, the newsletter that much, right? I think it's like 25, no, 25 email referrals. That sounds like a lot, though, right? Actually, I don't know. It doesn't.
3: Is that all? Probably. Wait, maybe <laughs> I should change that number. I, maybe
0: I should change it. Anyway, thank you everyone for all your support on High Roll Radio. This has been episode number nineteen. That's going to do it for us. Make sure to follow all of us on social. If you're watching the vod on YouTube or on Twitch, you can see our socials here. Uh, make sure to follow High Roll Radio on Twitter. And, uh, that's gonna do it. So, thank you everybody for once again tuning in. And we will catch you next time. Not exactly sure when episode 20 is gonna be. My guess is probably sometime around snapshots in the new year. So, it's tomorrow. So stay tuned, everybody. (laughs) Keep keep an eye out for more information on the next Hyrule Radio episode. And don't go anywhere, because I think if you're watching Twitch right now, Malala's gonna be streaming a little bit of TFT after this, so that's going to do it for going to do it for us here at Hyrule Radio. We'll catch you next time. Peace.